Get your ratio in. You're, you're starting with 18 grams of coffee. You're trying to get 36 out. When you pull that shot, it should take between 25 and 30 seconds. So, Welcome to the Coffee Snobs podcast, where we just really love good coffee. Grab your cup of coffee and join us each episode as we explore any and everything coffee-related. From pour-overs to lattes to the coffee experience, we explore it all. Because, well, life's too short to drink bad coffee. Let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Coffee Snobs Podcast. Like always, it's me, Tyler, joined by my co-host and good friend, Mr. Aaron Beaver. Hello, sir. How are you? Good. I, you know, we have really done a good job of keeping a rhythm uh, from the December month of 2021 <laughs> to January. Uh, this is exciting. Uh, both of us kind of, uh, maybe we're in a lull for our coffee uh, journey, but kind of revitalized. I mean, we have a ton of coffee. I just picked up I'm going to jump right into what's in your cup. Okay? You good with that? All right. So, yeah, Aaron, what's in your cup? <laughs> I'm just going straight in. I, uh, this week, made it to Atlanta. Got to see some ATL. family. Okay. Uh, did not have any coffee in Atlanta. Kind of bummed about that, uh, but right, it was a world stop. one trip. Shame on right, I know. Look, come on. You travel out of Here's state, a, and you didn't even visit a single coffee shop. Not one coffee shop. Now, I did. Shame on it, you. Here's the thing. I get triggered by hot chicken. It's just <laughs> something that I, like, restaurants that call them, that have hot chicken on the menu that is not Nashville hot chicken. All There's right, something about real it. Real quick, so, so some of our listeners might not know what that is. What are you talking about okay. with hot chicken? So, so I love uh, spicy food. And a few years ago, I got to experience Nashville hot chicken from the original Nashville hot chicken place. Now, talking about fried chicken, right? It's fried chicken and it is hot, spicy. But spicy the hot. way that they do the spices, just d- a little bit different. But I went to Atlanta, and instead of going to coffee, I saw a Hattie B's. Now, I know it's a food food chain, but it was good. I got some Nashville hot chicken, and I, it was a whirlwind trip. By the time I could have had coffee and had time to go to a coffee shop, it's like 6 o'clock. I would have never went to sleep. It would have been over. So okay. I didn't get coffee. But back to the story, I was in um, Atlanta seeing family. Family lives in Louisville, Kentucky. They brought me three pounds oh. of Sunnygrass, which go. means you get a pound. Yes. It's exciting. I'm excited. It's exciting. We've got two uh, of the Ethiopian. Uh, there's two different Ethiopian varieties, and we have both of them. All so right. It's going to be exciting. So again, you're you're hot or cold. You either have 17 bags of coffee or none, and it sounds like we caught you at a good <laughs> right, moment. Dude. You still got leftovers <laughs> from Christmas that you need to go I through. St- yep, I still have leftovers from Christmas. I still have a bag of Temple. I still have uh-huh. some uh, Enderly. I've got some uh, that what's that Texas brand? Uh, um, Stumptown. No, that's Port. That's West Coast. Stumptown. Is- oh, I, okay. I've got Stumptown. I thought they were Texas, but uh, oh. Stumptown. Um, 
Yeah. So okay. and now I've got three pounds of Enderly. Oh. I mean, uh, of Sunnygrass. Wow. So you what got about a lot. you? Well, all right. What's in my cup? This is kind of going going to lead into today's main topic. Um, I have been drinking recently. Um, I've gone back to espresso. Really focused on that, and that's what our main topic is today: the basis of espresso. And I've been drinking uh, the purple bag, the hologram from Counterculture, you know, headquartered in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, and as we'll talk about momentarily on the main topic, the reason I went to that is one, it's accessible. It's pretty easy for me to get um, at a local grocery store. And it is what one of my original coffee, favorite coffee shops, uh, not just coffee, uses as their main espresso blend. So I'm drinking lots of espresso. We're going to talk about that. I've been drinking hologram from counterculture. So on to today's main topic. I've got to tell on myself a little bit. Um, I've been doing manual brew, you know, morning, every morning, pour to work, pour over. That's good to go with the, the good old Enderly Ethiopian. And then occasionally I will do um, some espresso at home, either uh, an Americano or some lattes. And I haven't really thought about it because, you know, my lattes, they taste good. Um, I don't really, I'm not very good at, at latte art. I can do some basic stuff, but I mean, compared to people like home barista coach, it's just like, <laughs> so Aaron, you guys, you and your family were over a little while ago and I was telling you, it's like, man, I've really, my espresso, there's not much contrast in it. If you look at latte art, you know, that you probably see on social media, you're seeing that really rich brown espresso and then there's definition with the uh, the white from whatever milk source you're using for the flowers or whatever you're doing. And so Aaron, I was telling you about my woes with my lattes and what was the first thing you said to me? Uh, are you using light roast? Like what's you your did. roast? Yes. And it took me aback for a second because we talked about this. I mean, I, for a while, I've been using uh, the Enderly Natural Ethiopian, which is a light roast. And as far as taste in my espresso, I mean, it tastes fine. Um, but I didn't, it, gave, it gave me pause. I was like, well, does it matter if you're using a dark roast, a medium roast, a light roast when you're pulling an espresso shot? And you wholeheartedly said it did. And yeah, I mean it. it yeah, you said keep going. Okay, I want to see where this goes. I have no idea. I'm excited. Uh, yeah. So, all right. I think we actually even pulled a shot uh, while you were over here that night just to kind of show you what I was getting. And yep. second thing you mentioned to me, well, what's your ratio? And this is where a coffee snob like myself is telling on himself for being complacent. Uh, I have, you know, not a very fancy uh, espresso machine, just a Breville. It gets the job done. And I have a port filter, a double dose, and I've got a scale, but it's not super responsive. So when I pull my shots, I'm not weighing them. I'm using a, a graduated uh, cylinder, a, a measuring cup. And 
I don't know why, but for the longest time lately, I've just been, you know, thinking, oh, I'm using roughly 20 grams of coffee in a double filter, really more like 17 or 18. And for some unknown reason, I was pulling my shots to 60 milliliters of espresso. And so you kind of gave me uh, the tongue lashing for that. Well, I think there's the one thing with this or any coffee uh, brew method that you're doing is the ratio is so important, right? It's so important to to get a balance, uh, no matter if it's espresso or if it's, you know, manual brew process. That ratio will help you, one, with consistency in having mm-hmm. the same flavor and taste, but it's also has so much to do with... Um, just making a good cup of coffee and the ratio is there. But to, to your point, I mean, you were doing, um, you were doing a, uh, an over extraction, which normally you want to run, you want to run a, uh, one to two ratio. So if you have 19, uh, gram portafilter basket, you put 19 grams of coffee in, you want to extract, uh, double the amount of fluid out of the amount of grimes, uh, grams of coffee that you have. So if you do 19, 38 would be a pretty good ratio. That's a normal ratio for a coffee shop doing a pull. But you were just doing, um, there is a name for that, right? Yes, and we're going to talk about, like I said, so I was, I was doing my same thing repeatedly. I was getting yep. a consistent and an enjoyable uh, espresso and a, a latte, um, but it, I was kind of on autopilot. I wasn't even thinking about um, experimenting or going back and changing things. So this yeah. kind of got us to thinking, well, you know, we talk about manual brew process on the show majority of the time, and, you know, we love it. Our listeners love it, and that's what most people probably – uh, have at home, but it's time to get back to basics. So we're going to do a quick overview, a recap, a boot camp, I guess, for espresso. We're going to talk about exactly the uh, the three main variables when you're pulling an espresso shot, and then where things can go wrong. And you're going to nerd out on us a little bit later, talking about if you do have an espresso machine at home, uh, how about how dialing that in. So, yeah. all right, so this might seem like 101, but hey, even a coffee snob needs to go back to school. So when you talk about espresso, you're talking about three variables when you're pulling an espresso shot. You have a brew ratio, which is how much coffee you're putting in, how much water you're getting out. You have a brew time, which is how long it takes for that shot to be pulled to get the desired amount of coffee out and the brew temperature. So Aaron, let's start with the brew ratio. Like you just said, um, a good starting point, most time when you think double shot, that means you're putting in, you're getting out double what you put in. You're getting a one to two ratio. So if you have 18 grams of coffee, you're going to yield double that, which would be 36 grams of espresso. Well, what I was doing uh, inadvertently was pulling a lungo, that's an Italian word, L-U-N-G-O, a lungo shot, which is more of a one to three ratio. So I was putting 
18 grams of coffee and getting almost 60 grams out. So you have a normal, which is a one to two, a lungo, and then an even stronger is a one to one, which is called a ristretto. These are all from the Italian uh, word. So if you were doing a ristretto shot, it would be really good and potent, but it'd be 18 grams of coffee and only 18 grams of espresso out. Um, typically, the darker roast, the espresso roast that you're going to get at a lot of bad chains like Starbucks, your darker roast turn out better when you have a smaller ratio, something more potent like a ristretto or a, a normal double shot. Whereas the lighter roast, which is what I was using a lot, those tend to work better for a, a lungo shot, a one to three. So again, I was using a, a light roast Ethiopian, pulling a one to three shot. It was good. Uh, it was flavorful, but it wasn't um, maybe as potent. And so there you go. So my brew ratio was off. Um, and then you started talking to me about, well, what is the difference if you're actually using the same ratio if you pull a dark rose shot or if you pull a light rose shot? The actual color of the shot is that different depending on the roast? And what's your take on that, Aaron? Well, okay. So you have um, the roast probably matters more for the flavor than the actual color. So, but there, but there are some things that you can get a higher contrast between the milk and the uh, espresso shot pulled by using a darker roast. So, you can actually get some flavor or some um, uh, some more contrast, some darker to white because latte art really like a lot of this has been driven because Tyler's latte art. There's not high contrast. And if you go to Home Barista Coach, I mean, the his his contrast in the edge of the swans that he's making and all these things, that, like, they look super crisp. Well, how you get that is a high contrast ratio. So when your espresso that you pulled looks a little more uh, caramel uh, color mm -hmm. than a dark uh, brown, then, yeah, the milk that you put in it, it's not going to have a high contrast ratio. So if you... If you use a darker roast, um, it's not as much to the color as more as it is to the flavor. But I yeah. don't want to jump ahead. Sure. But so uh, yeah. Hey, so again, what started me on re um, re going going back to the basics with espresso? I was making my lattes. They tasted fine. They were consistent. Um, they were good, not great. And they weren't um, as aesthetically pleasing. So two things I thought about, Aaron. So once I actually, what's the first thing I did? We're going to talk about the brew time and the temperature in a second. But I actually, well, let me correct my ratio. So instead of doing a double, I mean, excuse me, a lungo shot, I went to a true double and I was only getting out 36 grams. So I made a latte like that and I noticed a little improvement in the contrast because I'm having a more concentrated espresso shot and, you know, that's going to give you a better color contrast. Um, but then I also had something that 
we don't maybe mention, you think about a latte. Do you think about, do you drink that plain, just espresso and milk? A lot of times people put um, syrups in that. So I made, uh, again, what I typically do, I'm on autopilot, boom, weigh my stuff out. I do put a little bit of vanilla syrup in mine. And so I've got my syrup, I've got my espresso, swirl it, pour my, pour my milk. Well, I pulled a couple espressos um, and actually I forgot to add the vanilla syrup and I was pouring the milk in and I'm like, man, my contrast looks great. So ding, ding, ding. We never really talked about this, but I'm, I'm thinking that the syrup is actually slightly diluting your espresso, which is going to give you less contrast. So you want the best contrast, pull you, pull yourself a double shot. Don't put any syrups in there and boom, you got espresso, you got milk and you've got a more, a prettier, let's just say that a prettier shot, a prettier latte. Yeah. So there, so this conversation is a balance between a good tasting latte mm-hmm. because a lot of things that we're talking about is lattes. It's not necessarily like you're going to have the extraction of the coffee out of the porterfilter basket, which is the espresso shot. But then you're adding milk, which then moves it from an espresso to a latte, right? So sure. a lot of Tyler's journey is refining a latte process. So if you're doing just a uh, espresso only with like some seltzer water, you can use a lighter roast because remember, a lighter roast can uh, taste a, a to me personally a lighter roast tastes better than a darker roast on a manual brew process. So if you were to use that framework um, and pull just an espresso shot, you could probably get a better tasting espresso only. Now, if we go back to uh, the Temple conversation. And the espresso shot that I had from Temple, it's a medium roast. It was amazing. So I would say that it would be a it would be a light to maybe medium roast, which tasted phenomenal by itself. Now, if you added milk to it, mm-hmm. I don't know if it would just be muddy. I don't know if it would be just like well, I guess I could taste the the coffee. And so I think that's where the dark roast, when you're making a latte, is probably a smarter move. Because where a dark roast is not going to taste good by itself, once you add milk and syrup to it, it's probably going to come back into balance. And so that would be where I would say, hey, if you're making espresso-only shots, maybe go with a lighter or medium roast. But if you're making syrup-based, milk-based lattes, I would probably go with a darker roast. Very, That's true. So let me let's reel that back in. So we talked about the three main variables, the brew ratio... The second thing, and again, you were talking to me about this, is your brew time. So typically, you want to have a 25-ish seconds, 25 to 30 second um, uh, extraction extraction time. time. So, um, and what determines your extraction time is mainly your grind size. So a lot of times you might just think, oh, espresso, it's got to be super finely ground. And it does. But it can be too finely ground. If you the the finest grind is actually called a Turkish grind, and that's actually going to take too long for the shot to come through. So, 
I saw this analogy. I was actually looking on Lamarzica's website. They have a really good uh, set of information about this basic espresso stuff. And this is a very simple analogy. Put a cup full of, of marbles and pour some water through it. That water's going to sink through the marbles really quickly, right? Fill a jar with sand, pour water on top of that sand. Well, it's going to take so much longer for that water to drip all the way down through the sand. So think about that when you're thinking about grind sizes. Your grind, if it's too large, it's going to extract too quickly. If it's too fine, it's going to extract too slowly. So, Aaron, how do you dial in? Let me ask you this. When you're making espresso uh, at your workplace, yep. what do you use when you're dialing in a shot? Are you looking well, at the ratios so, or the, the grinds or what? So this is a, a, this is a dividing factor in the machine, right? Because your machine is a manual process, meaning you time it out, you turn on the switch, the water extracts as long as the switch is held on, and and then you turn it off. Mm-hmm. Now, that is really a great machine to really hone in the process. Now, the machine that I have at work is a automatic machine, meaning that you hit a button and it's timed out. Now, I've set one of the buttons on the machine that is I really only use it. Like nobody else in the company uses it. And it's actually, if if you look at the button, the button is, is like a, a half shot extraction, but I've timed out the button to be at 27 seconds, meaning so it is doing 27 seconds of extraction. Our machine also pre-infuses. That's another thing in a variable of a machine. So there are some things to work out in the timing that play into the timing. So I've set it up. Um, so Tyler, you talked about the grind size. And so grind size is a big deal in, in espresso, like in a machine. We try to tell people if you're going to get a machine, invest in a grinder before mm-hmm. you buy your machine because it doesn't work the other way. You can't get a machine and then go back to the grinder. You really need a good grinder from the day you get your machine. Yep. Both of us have had multiple sh- machines. I think I've had four machines and you've had two machines, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So two machines uh, and I've had three machines, not four machines. So, but the first machine that we both had, I had a hand grinder, (laughs) which was the worst thing. Like I hated the machine, not because the machine was bad, but because my grind was bad. Mm -hmm. I could not get the hand grinder fine enough to make uh, espresso grind size coffee. So my extraction time was way too fast. I was extracting way too much um, espresso from the coffee grinds. It was too so coarse. getting yep. a gr- right, getting a grinder was a big deal. Once you get the grind size kind of set, and there are a lot of examples on the internet of grind sizes. People say salt, but I Sand. tend to run mine yeah. a little. Uh, yeah, sorry, saying I run tend to run mine a little finer than it needs to be because then at that moment I can always back it back. But you've got a you got two things that happen. Uh, at the puck in the portafilter basket, right? So you've put your coffee into the portafilter, which is the the um, handle that attaches to the machine where the water will flow through the puck. Okay, so the coffee puck. One this of the things the, that yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I learned very early on is the tamping down, the pushing down of the coffee, the packing the portafilter should take about thirty pounds of pressure. 
right? So that's what um, that's what is kind of like the standard. Uh, so they have devices out there that you can use that you put your hand on and you press, and it will release at 30 pounds, so you will not put any more than 30 pounds. And the reason why 30 pounds is the ratio is because you could do a coarse grinding of coffee and pack the crap out of it, like put way too much pressure, and it would take you 45 seconds to extract like the correct uh, liquid amount out of it. And so you want to you want to equally every time tamp about the same amount of pressure so that the puck has a consistency to it. So yes, 30 pounds is about the, the deal. That's kind of hard for a lot of people to, to understand. Uh, one of the things that I did to kind of learn some muscle memory is I got a scale, which is a, like a, 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 that someone stands on and I put my tamp on top of it just to <laughs> kind of understand how much force uh, my arm needed to put down. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a a lot with coffee is muscle memory, right? So it's like learning the same thing to do over and over because nobody's gonna keep a weight scale on their on their table. Nobody's gonna measure how much pressure they're pushing. So that uh, tamping of the coffee in the portafilter basket is a big deal in extraction. Um, and so, so I know that's a, lot, a little rabbit trail there, but um, one of the things, and this will be, and Tyler, then we'll move to the next point. One of the things many moons ago, we had Joe Strothman at a Sunnergrass um, brewing class, mm-hmm. and they told you, um, and he came on and talked about that bitterness was in the back of the tongue and sourness was in the sides of the tongue. And when it is bigger, when it is bitter, the grind size needs to be smaller. And when it's sour, the grind size needs to be bigger. So... If your espresso pull that you're having hits the correct ratio, hits the correct timing, and it's a little bit bitter or a little bit harsh on your tongue, you can make the grind size bigger. That would start at your your grinder. Mm-hmm. You can make it bigger so it would be less sour. You can make it smaller when it's bitter. That's- and so that's another characteristic. That's another rabbit trail. Just maybe jot that down on your notes. Yes. So what, uh, what you're saying if you have a little bit of a sour taste in your espresso, that all that means is that it is under extracted. So like Aaron just said, that means try a finer grind setting, which will increase the time it takes to brew the shot so it won't be under extracted. On the other hand, like Aaron said, if it's bitter, it's over extracted. So you try a coarser, a larger grind, which will make the extraction a little bit shorter. And like we said, the the ideal brew time is about 25 seconds. So get your ratio in. You're, you're starting with 18 grams of coffee. You're trying to get 36 out. When you pull that shot, it should take between 25 and 30 seconds. So that's two of the main variables in just pulling espresso shot. And the third one, which some people might say is the least important, I think Aaron is going to say... Uh, how dare you, is the brew temperature. So just kind of like with manual brew process, the standard is starting, a starting point is about 200 degrees Fahrenheit, which is, I think, 93 uh, degrees Celsius. Uh, We've talked about that in the manual brew process. If you have the temperature too low, you're not getting a full extraction. So Aaron, what are your thoughts on the, the brew temperatures for an espresso shot? 
Now, the reason why I would say um, that it is important, everything in the uh, everything in the espresso process is all is important. Like that's the unfortunate part is like everything is important. So if you don't have the grind size, if the extraction timing is not right, if like if the even the snobby snobs have a barometric reader <laughs> in their room in the coffee shop because it will change the way the coffee machine works. It's like these machines are super fickle. They mm-hmm. are they're very fickle. Fickle mistress. So so what I they kind of um the temperature does matter. It may not matter as much, but what I try to uh, encourage people to do, and this is what I did on all of my machines because they were sub five hundred dollars. All right, so like they're still a pretty hefty investment, but they're not break the bank, right? Mm-hmm. What I try to tell people is preheat the machine. So I, I don't leave. I didn't leave my machine on all the time. So when I wanted to use it, I turned it on. I let it set for between five and ten minutes. And then I would run a extraction process with no coffee in the portafilter before I ever used it to just verify that one, there was no water in the lines uh, pre uh, post the boiler, right? So there's no water um, past the boiler, so it's n- so I'm not getting some like cold flash of cold water to hit the uh, puck. You run it through one time. I would also run the steam wand if I was trying to make latte art. You want to get that pressure that's in there, kind of, hey, bleed it out, allow new uh, water that is not sitting in that boiler maybe to come back in, just so that you can um, start fresh. It does make a big deal. Like pre-running a machine um, is a big deal. There's a lot about pre-infusion that a lot of these high-end machines do, like a pre-infusion in the puck where they'll put a little bit of water in. A sub-500 machine, I don't think it does it. Now, my Gaza Classic Pro that I had, it's about as close to a professional machine that you can have. It has no timing, so it's all uh, manual timing and extraction. But the Steam Wand uh, was a uh, commercial Steam Wand it did have pre-infusion. It was a, a, a commercial size basket, so you can put an open bottom portafilter to get that really like good Instagram look uh, extraction. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, you know, I I would just say that the temperature does matter, but like if you're having to weigh it out, the grind size is super important. And as equally important is the timing so that you can get the beverage that you want. Yes. So so to recap, uh, we repeated this. The three main things when you're getting a good espresso shot is the, the ratio. Typically, you're going to go for a one to two, uh, the brew time and the temperature. So you might be asking yourself, well, this is cool and nerdy, but I don't have an espresso machine at home. Well, do what Aaron says. Next time you go to a shop, if you get a really good uh, Americano or just an actual espresso shot or even a latte, hey, ask the barista. Hopefully they're a nice, uh, you know, nice and knowledgeable person. Hey, what was your, uh, how'd you dial in your machine today? Well, ask them these questions because even if you're not going to uh, be pulling a lot of espresso shots at home, you'll at least know what you like. They might say, oh, that was a lungo shot. That was a one to three. Hey, then, you know, 
I prefer a long go to a standard, a normal shot. So um, there you go. Educate yourself on what you like so you can replicate it. You go to a different shop, you know, you can say, hey, I would, you know, you, you're going to sound really smart and snotty. So they're either going to think you're cool or, oh, God, what the, what is this? What's the different, right. what's the He's male a name snob. for a Karen? Um, <laughs> a Brad. A Brad. What is this Brad yeah. asking? When you say, hey, guys, can I just get a um, a Lungo shot? Uh, can you dial it into a 37-second extraction time with a brew temp of 203 degrees? Listen, they'll probably hate you because most <laughs> machines at uh, commercial or at uh, coffee shops are dialed in. Already, so, that, so yeah. I mean, yeah. So they'll, probably they're, just, they're gonna, they'll probably just pull their standard shot and just tell you that they've listened to you. <laughs> exactly. Oh, this is a lunga. Oh, this is amazing. Man, it's this really tastes so good. good. You know, and then they're like, ah, oh, oh. Brad. So, <laughs> I, sorry, Brad. Uh, no, yeah, sorry. Uh, next on the list, we know way too many Brads. Uh, next on the list is tamping. And Tyler, oh, uh, yeah. tell me a little bit about your tamping process. Well, this is kind of what you were mentioning with the brew time. So the, the, there's only three variables for espresso ratio time and temperature. But if you got a, st- like I have a standard, I don't have an open bottom porta filter. It's got the two little sprout spouts on the side. And occasionally you'll, you'll start the espresso and it starts coming out and it might come out one side and it might be running out one side for a second or two before the other side goes. So what like Aaron was talking about when you're, packing that uh the coffee puck down in the porta filter tamping is can be a big variable because if you're not careful you might uh not have an, a level coffee bed and if you do that have an incorrect tamping or you use too little pressure or too much that's going to affect your extraction so there is a tool yeah. that I even have a lot of people use I think I guess it's called just a coffee leveler uh, it fits right in the top of your portafilter. You kind of give it a clockwise spin and it's going to give an initial leveling, uh, to your espresso in your portafilter. So, yeah, there's, there's also a few other devices that are out there. Uh, James Hoffman just did uh, a review on one a few months ago, but, um, essentially it's, these little needles that go into a cough into the portafilter basket and you kind of swirl it around and it'd be like a, um, it, it, it's, it disturbs the coffee bed and agitates to make sure that there's no clumping. Mm-hmm. Uh, because one of the big things now, this is getting super nerdy, but this plays a big factor in the way that coffee is extracted and the making sure that all the coffee grinds inside of the, uh, portafilter basket get equal water distribution because what you'll get is fracking. And so one of the easiest ways Excuse to see you. fracking, yes, <laughs> fracking, um, frack? and fracking is exactly what you think it is. Oil? So like, if you know anything about oil, it is, it is essentially, uh, essentially the exact same thing. Cause what will happen is in a, you can see this really uh, clear in an open bottom, an open bottom portafilter basket. What will happen is uh, the coffee will not be evenly pressed, evenly tamped. Mm-hmm. A there will be a softer area, and what will happen is water will find the least amount of resistance, and it will flow through that less packed area. Then what will happen is when the water hits the portafilter basket, it will essentially create a groove, a, a channel, a 
Yep, exactly. And so it, it will flow out. And so you can really see this on an open bottom portafilter basket because you'll see this like gushing out of, uh, of espresso and it'll be spraying because all of the high pressure fluid will not be evenly distributed. It'll coming through the one area. And so you'll have an, a, you'll have over extraction even in an evenly uh, distributed basket and you can get some funky flavors there. That's one of the reasons why I bought an open portal filter basket mm-hmm. is I wanted to see fracking. I wanted to see like, okay, Channeling. I'm using a leveler. I'm using a leveler. Uh, but even after I'm using the leveler, I would take the tamp just to make sure. And you know, you'll, you'll just s- slightly uh, lean on the tamp and you could be a, a fraction of a millimeter off in the bed, which will just, the pressure will just make a big difference. Now, this is getting super nerdy, but this is what a good coffee shop does. This is what somebody who is refining the taste in their espresso, refining the taste in their latte, because as soon as they can dial that in, they can guarantee a consistency. Then they can start adding syrups and they can balance that out. Mm-hmm. When you're adding syrups and adding milks, there is a there is a formula and a ratio to kind of understand because uh, there's a lot with heat. Um, and so if you're adding a colder syrup into a hot beverage, mm-hmm. there's just stuff that happens to happens to sugar. And so it will not blend properly. So there's a lot of shops. I think um, one of the shops downtown Charlotte, uh, which is uh, Night Swim, or is that actually Queen City Grinds? Queen I City. think it's Queen City Grinds. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, when I had my machine, I went there and watched them make it because they make a fantastic caramel latte mm-hmm. like unbelievable but they were they were putting their syrup in before they did their espresso and then when that would happen is they would pour the syrup in they would have their separate uh espresso extraction cup they would pour them in together and they would blend them together so their their contrast in their latte wasn't as 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 defined as it maybe should have been mm-hmm but the actual flavor of the coffee and caramel syrup together was unbelievable. Yeah. So you have to kind of maybe, um, you know, give one over the other, but man, it was a super balanced beverage. Well, hey, to quote the great Joe Strothman, like what you like and do what you do. See, you just mentioned, you know, they do it differently at Queen City and, you said it was delicious. I mean, I've had one before. It was very good. So rules are meant to be broken, but they are, at the very least, uh, very important for a starting point. So yeah. we've got, you know, there's so many different uh, topics you can speak about with espresso as far as really dialing that in. And we might, uh, on an upcoming episode, talk more about really specific stuff, but yeah, we thought. Just okay, get before it. we leave, yeah, yeah. Before we leave, I want to throw this out there for the people trying to make investments in a machine because we've both been here, mm-hmm. and you want to get the most bang for your buck because an espresso machine is expensive, right? You're gonna have several hundred a cost for a machine, uh-huh. yeah, and then you're gonna have cost for a grinder, like, and then and then you're gonna have syrups, and then you're gonna have a leveling device, and then you're gonna have a scale. And you're going to have, like, there's other things. The 
um, the calcium uh, fluid that you need to uh, occasionally run through it so you don't have calcium built up in your boiler. Like those are some real deal stuff. This is what I'll say. When when uh, making any investment in espresso machine, if you've got a dollar amount, look at that dollar amount and try to maximize the machine with the dollar amount that you have. The grinder is very important. So if you let's say you have a thousand dollars to spend, you know you're going to probably a lot two hundred, maybe two hundred fifty, maybe three hundred dollars for a grinder. But if you can spend as close to seven hundred dollars on um, espresso machine, then do it. Now, my Gaza Classic Pro, the reason why I went with that machine and I sold my both of the Brevels that I had before that was uh, some, of the, some of the features that kind of set it apart. So the steam wand, on a lot of Breville machines, they do not have commercial steam wands. And really the difference in a commercial steam wand is the tip. Multi, uh, commercial steam wands normally have three. Just tip. They have yep. They have three uh, holes on the tip, so that way you get a more um, venture. <laughs> God Almighty! I wish y'all could see him. Uh, <laughs> please leave this in. Uh, so with these uh, three holes versus a, one. Yeah, and so it just allows for a lot more uh, uh, turbulence in the coffee uh, foaming process. Milk foaming. So, yep, in the milk foaming process. And so having a commercial steam one is a big deal. Yes. And especially if you're doing latte art because you really, like Tyler will uh, agree, there is a massive learning curve and a lot of difficulty in doing it in non-commercial uh wand now you can do it and Tyler does it but having that commercial wand does make a big difference um oh absolutely uh, the timing um the next is for the gaja the reason why I did it um bought that machine is it had pre-infusion and so what it does is it just slightly pushes a little bit of water into the coffee puck before just opening the floodgates with so much pressure it just allows for a lot of you would see um, with a machine that doesn't have pre-infusion, when you take the portafilter off, you'll see some coffee grinds spray up onto the head because what will happen is when that pressure comes in, it will those co- dry coffee grinds will kind of bounce back up and you can get some disturb- disturbance in the puck. So um, the next is with a with a uh, a little higher end machine, you're getting a commercial size portafilter basket. Most portafilter baskets on commercial machines are 19-gram baskets. They'll have a little slight curvature or a little indentation in the uh, rim, kind of telling you where the uh, head of the espresso machine is setting so that you do not overpack the portafilter basket. I really like that. Like, if I was buying a machine, that would be the first thing that I would look at is to make sure that the that it's a commercial portafilter and that it's a 19-gram portafilter basket. So, um, you know, there, there are some differences because you on the Breville, Breville has a 19-gram portafilter basket, but the portafilter basket is deeper than it is wide. So a normal commercial machine has a width and a depth to it, but on the Breville's, to save some space, they have a 19-gram, and it's a deeper basket. 
which does produce a little bit different um, taste. So that's kind of my like deep dive into where I've wasted multiple of dollars. I've wasted a lot of money mm-hmm. buying machines and wish I would have known first, hey, get a good grinder. And then second, get a commercial portafilter basket. And if you can get one with a commercial steam wand, if you're trying to do latte art, that's a must. Absolutely. Hey, good recommendations from Aaron. And like I said, guys, hopefully this was, has been helpful to you. And, you know, we talked about the basics of espresso. So we can't forget our, we've talked so much about natural process. <clears throat> Excuse me. We talked so much about manual brew process lately that, you know, we got to give some love to the espresso. In that regard, you know, we're going to, we need to get a pro. Uh, Stu from, uh, Stu, yes. we need to get Stu back on because, He's a heck of a barista, but he does incredible latte art. And yeah, he's much, Dude, much his, more it, knowledgeable about this than us. Yeah. And if you if you're on Instagram, go check him out. I think he just crested ten thousand followers, which oh, wow. like we're there's no there's no association with him at all. He's he's in Australia and we're in Charlotte, North Carolina. But he's a very knowledgeable guy. He shows you a lot of what to do. He has coaching. Uh if you're doing all of this and like okay you've taken our information that you give this would be a great foundation to go take the next step and reach out to home baristas uh Stu because he really can take you to the next yeah home barista coach because he can really take you to the next level and uh we we keep talking about it but we really mean it we're gonna do uh hopefully maybe the very next episode a deep dive on decaf uh and we've still got lots of interesting topics coming up so that's going to wrap up this episode of the coffee snobs podcast uh thanks for listening you can reach us at coffee snobs podcast on instagram coffee snobs.net on the interwebs uh even old-fashioned email hello at coffee snobs.net so we love to hear from you guys and if you got any topic suggestions for upcoming episodes let us know and we will do our best to get on that so For the Coffee Snob signing off, for Aaron and Tyler, we will see you on the next show. Adios.